This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. Would you open your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 15, as we continue the scenic route through the book of Revelation. This is, um, this is a good one because it's like eight verses, but man, is it packed eight verses. We're at the part of Revelation, this part where Jesus said in Matthew 24 that there would be a time coming on the earth that would be this great tribulation period, right? Um, like none before or none after. And we clearly have not had that yet, so I still believe what Jesus prophesied is still yet to come. And so if you have a problem with that, you just take that up with Jesus and I'll get you his number before we leave. But we believe that that's part of what this future is. And so these eight verses are actually in that moment, like where people who had been martyred, people, the 144,000, they've all been taken out of that now and they're standing in heaven which is this amazing image to even try to get my mind wrapped around. But looking at that in verse one, this is the scene there. Then I saw, John said, I saw another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with seven last plagues. Last, because with them, God's wrath had been completed. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire and standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and its image and over the number of its name, which we read about in previous chapters, they held harps given them by God and they sang the song of God's servant Moses and the song of the Lamb. I want you to notice that because those are actually two different songs and we'll talk about that in a minute. The song that we're about to read here is the song of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy, and all nations will come and worship before you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. After this, I looked... And I saw in heaven the temple, that is the tabernacle of the covenant law, and it was opened. Out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues. And they were dressed in clean, shining linen. They came from tide country and wore golden sashes around their chests. And then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls. Some of your translations say cups or containers of filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And verse 8, the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Powerful eight verses, isn't it? A lot going on in there. So let's pray. Jesus, would you give us clarity on your word and on your promises. Would you give us wisdom on what your word would mean for us even here today? It's alive, Lord. Your word is powerful. It's not just an academic exercise. Lord, we ask for that in in Jesus' name. Amen. 
a few months back, I asked um, our staff, and I've shared this on a Sunday before, um, staff, like in March, does anybody remember March? It was like six years ago, but in March, six years ago last March, um, we all stood in this room going, okay, well, this is going to be different. And I just thought, let's put a thing in the, in the books in six months and say, in the next six months, let's look at, like, let's put something, it's a dinner, we're going to have a feast, and we're going to look back and celebrate these last six months of how we fought and how we won, and so let's live like, in a way that is worth celebrating. Now, in hindsight, perhaps I should have put that date on the book in six years, but alas, here we are. It actually turned out to be great because we did had we had oh man a lot of life in six months, and it was great to look back and see the ways that the Lord just moved in our midst. And and then I asked another question here on a Sunday, and that was: Imagine yourself in five years from now, right? What look back on you right now? Okay, so future Darren, looking back to today, Darren, how would I have wanted to have lived during a time like this? During a time of social upheaval, a time of political unrest, a time of pandemic and uncertainty, how five years from now would I have wished I would have lived in this time and then go live like that? That, that was sort of the MO that we were going with in this season. It was sort of out of the, the, you know, the Dear Younger Me stuff that went around the internet for a while, the Dear Younger Me letters, and, and they're usually things like, you know, don't care so much what people think about you. Usually pretty, uh, pretty good advice. Did anybody actually write one of those to yourself or ever participate in those? Or are you just too embarrassed to admit it? Or you just thought it was stupid? But Amy did, there you go. I was thinking about it this week because I'm thinking, okay, what would I have told 16-year-old Darren? You know, one is that, you know, hey, that mullet, that's not as cool as you think it is. I mean, you know, own it or whatever, but it's, you're one day not going to be very proud of that. Another is, uh, hey, your metabolism, bro, is going to betray you one day. So you need to back off the Cheetos in a hurry because it's going to sneak up on you one day. You're going to be looking in the mirror going, well, that, how'd that happen? I look like I've been allergic reaction to a bee sting. Like, what? <laughs> I was suddenly... I, I, there, there are some things I would put in the letter that were along those lines, but I was looking at Revelation 15 and thinking this was a group of people that lived through one of the most horrendous times in the history. In fact, the most horrendous, because if Jesus is right, and I believe he is, the most horrendous time in the history of the world, never before and never since. Now here they are in front of the throne room of grace, right? They're in front of Jesus right now. What do you suppose that they would have wanted to have known from future version of them to that version. It's kind of like the Revelation 15 version of Dear Younger Me. And as I was reading this passage, three things that I saw that if, if I'm future Darren in eternity, could I learn some of those same things that maybe these folks had learned? Because we're all going to be there someday. And I... The three that I saw there, you might see more, but I saw one that, Darren, this is going to pass. This too shall pass. I, I think that's something that we can take from this. I think that we can take number two, that this has purpose. This thing that's going to pass, it actually has a purpose. 
And the third thing is that part of that purpose, part of what it is, is we are moving towards perfection. Like this is not happening in a vacuum. There's a purpose in what's happening. And part of that purpose is moving us towards perfection. And so those are the three things that we're going to cover pretty quickly today. And you might see more. I encourage you, if the Lord speaks to you, get your pen out and tune me all the way out and just listen to what the Lord might say to you. But what the Lord, I feel, was saying to us as as a church today is, number one, when I say this too shall pass, here's what I mean. In that first verse of chapter 15, he says that last, speaking of these seven plagues, last because With them, God's wrath is completed. Everything we're experiencing this side of heaven, it will be completed. This is not a forever thing. And in fact, the wrath of God itself will be completed at some moment because the wrath of God is not a Karen video on the TikTok. Do you, in third service, do we know about the TikTok in third service? Do you know? Okay. In the TikTok, they have the Karen videos, the people that are losing their minds about simple and silly things. Okay, that's not wrath. That's rage. And rage is fear, not anger. Wrath, on the other hand, is Anger at injustice, anger at something that isn't right, it is a healthy emotion that if done, experienced properly, moves you towards passion, which moves you towards doing something about the problem. That's the wrath of God. It's not arbitrary. It's not capricious. It's not a cosmic version of whack-a-mole. Do they still have whack-a-mole? Nobody know what I'm talking about? You know, like whack-a-mole, you pop this one and the next one goes. It's not a cosmic version of whack-a-mole. It's a very much calculated, very God-wise, just version of saying that the wrath of God is important and that it will to pass. Now to take that from the cosmic version and then down to our level of that. Okay. We're living in a world right now where you probably are experiencing things that don't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, let's, let's just say the election, for instance. Because <laughs> I might say in, in the dear younger Darren, don't sweat the small stuff, but you don't see a lot of people say don't sweat the big stuff. I would add to this, don't sweat the big stuff because the big stuff in the hands of our heavenly father is actually small stuff. So when we look to even that, sweating the big stuff, knowing that God is moving every piece, every person, everything, that I can do what I know I need to do. I can pray, I can seek the Lord, I can cast a vote for who I need to cast the vote for that I feel the Lord is leading me to, understanding it might not be the person you think, and know that if I'm sweating this election and freaking out right now, that there might be because I am trying to hold on to something in my hands that the Holy Spirit is saying, no, no, let your heavenly Father hold that in his hands because it's going to be okay. Daniel 2, I'm not going to let a king in power that doesn't need to be there. I'm not going to take a king out of power that that shouldn't be out of. Let the Lord be the Lord. 
That's some of the big stuff. Now let's even go back a step further and say, in this world, knowing one day we're gonna be in front of this throne singing righteous and true are your judgments. One day we're gonna look forward and all those things. But in this day, what is some advice that I might give to myself in this day? I might be a little more vulnerable with those that are around me and being honest with the struggles and the shame and the hurt that I have experienced instead of isolating myself and hiding because of fear someone fully forgiven, fully loved in eternity would learn that, oh, all that stuff that I was so hiding and so ashamed of and so isolating from it, that was sin. Don't let that steal from us. And I'm going to give you another one that's kind of practical because it's kind of important in our lives right now. We're living in a world right now where our youth are under assault from society, from social media, from pressure. And if you are a parent right now and you are struggling with how to love and shepherd your children through this, I want you to hear me say that you are not alone. And around the throne room, right, we would all have, someday we'll all know, right, that none of us were alone in this. But right now you feel that way. In the same way that I would say I would ask for help, whether it's through counseling or prayer or as parents ask for help, I put this here because Jerry Negrato and, and his family have begun a ministry that I think is important. I don't know how else to explain it other than to say that to shepherd other parents through this journey if your children are struggling. Now on November 8th, at our church. Um, in fact, if you go to nothinghidden.org, you'll find a sign up for this. It's going to be Sunday. Did we decide six o'clock, Jerry? Six o'clock. Um, it's just an informational meeting. If nothing else, you'll be in a meeting with a room full of people that will, again, one day you'll be in front of the throne room of grace together with. But right now you can be in front of the throne room of grace together as well and see that you're not alone to lock arms together. I would, again, younger Darren, if I were to go back younger Darren 20 years ago with our kids, I would have, I would have given anything for this kind of a ministry to try to just navigate this stuff on our own. That's a ministry that is a gift to us. So nothinghidden.org, write that down and prayerfully consider joining us on that night and see if the Lord has something for you, for us to do together to fight on behalf of our children. We fight on behalf of slaves in the Pakistani kilns. We fight on behalf of the children of Uganda whose water has been stolen from them. We will fight for the addicts and the alcoholics and we will fight for the lives of our students and our teenagers. And I hope that speaks to you. That is... The promise, this thing we're in right now, this battle that feels so overwhelming, it will pass. But you get to participate in the battle as it passes by. The second thing that I see in this is that it has a purpose. He goes into this song, the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. The purpose of the wrath of God. Have you ever wondered what the purpose of the wrath of God is? I know I've explained it different ways and different, but he says here that he sings the song of Moses and the song of Moses is Deuteronomy 32. Now, 
for you Bible students that are smarter than me, you're going to say, yeah, but then Psalm 90 and Exodus 15, those are all songs of Moses. But only one is a song where God told Moses, learn this song and now teach it to the people of Israel. And they need to know this throughout history. And I believe it's that song that it's talking about because John didn't take the time to write that song out because the Jewish people that got this already knew this song. And in that song of Moses, in that song of uh, the wrath of God, chapter 32, he actually goes in verse 32, he actually speaks of what the wrath of God is about. Their vine, verse 32, is the vine of Sodom and of the fields of Gomorrah. The Sodom and Gomorrah, vicious sexual abuse, assaults, horrible things were happening in the victims that were there. And he's saying, that is something that I'm going to do something about. I'm going to bring justice to that. This wrath of God, again, not arbitrary, not capricious. I'm going to help and I'm going to fix this and I'm going to bring justice, which is exactly what he says in verse 35. Vengeance is mine and recompense their foot shall slip in due time for the day of calamity is at hand. He is, that's Romans 12, vengeance is mine. That's how brothers and sisters in Pakistan can say, I'm not going to go avenge myself of the abuse because I trust that the wrath of God, the justice of God will take care of that. That's the only way that we can walk in love as believers and as Christians. He is, has a purpose for it all. Now that said, that's, wrath of God, that's the, the, the darkness of this fallen world, the Genesis, uh, Genesis 3 fallen world, the Romans 1, he turned them over world. That's the world we all live in right now. And it's, I don't know, for me, it's sort of easy to kind of make it ethereal and make it about these other things and other countries. And, but when I look back on my life, I have seen how the Lord has had purpose even in the things that I didn't like, in the decisions that were bad, in the choices that I made, in the, Shannon and I were driving around uh, Franklin um, Friday night. Uh, it was a little later, and, or whatever night it was, anyway, I remember when I was. Um, but what we were doing was we were driving on this road that I remembered, this used to be nothing, like this wasn't a cow, I don't even know if it was a cow pasture or woods or, but it was that realization that in 1995, when we moved to Nashville, Franklin area, this was a rinky-dink little town. Has anybody been around that long to remember just how rinky-dink this place was? When you would come from Highway 96 in Mack Hatcher and drive to Cool Springs, there was nothing in between. Walmart, movie theater, Nothing. In fact, there was a little two-lane road called, oh, two-lane, I say that very loosely. It was a horse path that went, called Jordan Road, and it went behind and would dump out near where the movie theater is now. Do you guys remember that, Rhonda? Were you guys around those days? Yeah. I loved it. It was a shortcut home. But the reason I say that, what brought it all up, is I found myself working at Circuit City in 1995. I, think with me on this. I was a booking agent, okay? I was 24. I was awesome. 
right. Nobody had any idea how cool I thought I was. And one day I'm, I'm booking jars of clay and, and third day, and there, I mean, it sounds really impressive. They were like in minivans, and if you'd had 700 bucks in a bar mitzvah, I would have booked them. Like they, there was nothing. But things were taking off, and then I got left behind, and suddenly I'm, I got a pregnant wife, and nothing. And so I put on uh, the, the, the blade. Do you, does anybody work at like one of these places right now? Because I don't want to like insult anybody. But that, they used to have to wear blazers, like megachurch ushers from the 80s, like those kinds of uncomfortable and not very good-looking blazers and, and the name tag that might as well have just said shame on them because... <laughs> and I was selling computers when they were still like a, uh, like a box um, with a TV on top. And AOL, and, and it was a terrible time in my life. It was just, I wasn't very good at it. I was trying to book bands in the day. and this, and this I, But I met a guy who was selling car stereos right across from where the, uh, the computers were. And his name is Jim Cook. Right here. And Jim, we weren't there but just a few months before we all got better ideas, but, um, but that was not a bright time for me. And that bright time, went, uh, dark time went even darker. We tried to figure out how we're going to make a living. I ended up bumping into Jim again when he was working at uh, Nelson Mazda. My friend Bobby Nelson owns this thing called Nelson Mazda here in town. He's a Tulsa guy. All roads lead to Tulsa, if you don't know that by now. Connected again there. We're like picked up right where we left off and have always stayed in touch. And Jim introduces me a few years later to this thing called the What If Conference, which was um, this gathering of creatives and they invited me to come speak at it. I got the only standing ovation of my entire life I got on that conference. Um, that's not a low-key request for standing ovations. But but point is, <laughs> I get that anyway. When I tell you to stand and pray at the end, that's what I'm doing. But anyway... um. That standing ovation said something to me that night of, wow, there's something crazy here because I, th- th- I, I've stumbled onto something. And that talk from that day in 2012 turned into a book that is about to release in December, seven years later, all because I met Jim Cook selling car stereos at Circuit City. God has a purpose and a plan for all of the in little things, and maybe we get to know on the side of heaven, maybe we don't. And in just less than 20 minutes, we're going to be baptizing his daughter, Ava, right? God has a plan and a purpose in all of this, in the stuff that you don't understand. And I bring this up because the song of the Lamb, he says in the song of the Lamb, the purpose is this, we will say, righteous and true were your judgments, O God. We'll look back from eternity. I want to look back on Darren and say, all that stuff, I learned now, some of it, I know what God was doing, but in heaven, don't you think we'll know all of it? We'll know all of it. And we'll look back and say, the bad, the good, the ugly, the whole thing. Somehow he took all those broken pieces and didn't make a mess. He made a mosaic out of it. 
Righteous and true are your judgments is what it says at the end of verse three. And then at the end of verse four, he says that the reason they'll sing that song, the reason you'll sing that song is because at the end of that verse that his righteous acts will be revealed. It is then that you will finally know why it all happened. How many of you have seen the I See Dead People movie? Okay, I just here's the thing. I'm about to spoil it for you, but that movie's like 20 some years old, and that's your fault. So the spoil, the statute of limitations on the I See Dead People movie is long gone. But that feeling when you get to the end of that movie and you realize Bruce Willis had been dead the whole time, and you were like, <gasps> and the the, the 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 lunch bill, and you're like, oh my gosh, it was. A, I think that was so amazing because it speaks to a part of our soul that we need, which is I need for this to make sense. That song is not going to be song, sung because we're angry or because we're having to or forced to. It's the M. Night Shyamalan moment of eternity of us going, now I get it. I get it all for an eternity. And the stuff that we will get will be endless and limitless because that's the limitless of God. Now, the last thing I want to say, and then we're going to go, is that not only is that there's a purpose for it, but that we are moving towards perfection. And this is right here in the passage when it says that the wrath of God, these uh, plagues were coming out of the temple of God. And what it says is this, that nobody was allowed at the end of verse 8, nobody was allowed to go into the temple until the wrath was completed. Now, here's why that's important. Because the wrath being completed is the only way anyone can get into the temple. Why is that a problem? Because the wrath being completed in the tribulation period, everybody gets dead. So that feels like an incongruent goal here. How do we accomplish that? If you go back to that song of Moses in chapter 32 of Deuteronomy, the very last line of that song, you will not see it in a hill song. You will not see it in the new elevation worship. There's just way too many words. Right? I was actually thinking, there's no way this is ever going to make it on the radio. But he talks about rendering vengeance, verse 43. He talks about paying for the, the sins and all that. But here's the last line. He... Listen, who will? He will provide atonement for his land and for his people. You and I can't provide atonement for it. We don't have the currency. The wages of sin is death. We learned last week, blood flowing six foot high, 180 miles long. That's how much blood it takes to pay for the sins of humanity. We don't have that. But what did Jesus say on that last night before he died? He said, Father, this cup, if there's any way that this cup could be passed for me, please, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You see, Jesus was going to drink that cup, and in that, the wrath of God would be complete for you and for me. And when his wrath was complete, what said, when it says he breathed his last he says, why have you forsaken me? He breathes. They stab him with a spear. And what does it say in Matthew 28? The temple veil was torn from top to bottom. And now we can go into the temple. Now we can go 
boldly into the throne of grace because of the work that Christ did, not because of the work that we will. We cannot. He goes, literally, 40-some verses of Deuteronomy 32 is how bad you're going to screw this up and how you're never going to be able to figure this out. You're never going to be able to pay this off. And the very last verse he says in the Song of Moses, but he will provide atonement. And what is the song of the Lamb that Jesus is the atonement. He, God, is the atonement for you. What a huge gift for all of us. And now we can march boldly into the throne room of grace. Gang, this speaks of a time that's coming on our earth that we don't want any part of. We don't want to be anywhere near here. God is still going to provide mercy. People are still going to be saved and and rescued out. We're reading about them right here. But we don't have to be there because we stand today righteous. If I were to say one last piece of advice to a younger Darren from eternity is you are righteous, you are holy, you are complete because of the work that Christ did in you. Stop trying to work your way into the temple. Stop trying to jump up on the cross and pay for your own sins. He will provide the atonement. And Ava, that's what we're about to do in your baptism is a symbol, a symbol of her going into the water. If I held her down long enough, it wouldn't go well for her. But that's the symbol of it, of going down, dying to yourself, being resurrected new. You are a new creature in Christ. And all of us who stand in Christ today stand with that truth, that the the smoke, the Shekinah glory of God, we can enter into that because the wrath of God is complete for those of us who are in Christ Stand to your feet, standing ovation, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness and your gift to us today. I pray that as we take this few moments to baptize Ava, Lord, I know that you're pleased with her. You're pleased with her decision and her heart to follow you. And for those of us in here today, I pray, Lord, that we will remember that your wrath is not on us in Christ, but on you so that we can enter in because the wrath of God was complete in you, Jesus. And it is in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen and amen.